0: Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. The roster is out. Just before the financial markets close Monday, U.S. Soccer released the 24 call-ups for the friendlies with Colombia and Peru on October 11 and 16, respectively. Awesome. Lots of stuff to chew on. Greg, how are you? I'm good,
1: Bells. that uh, The roster announcement came early, caught us by surprise a little bit, but then it was announced as coming early, and so I spent all day refreshing my uh, various tabs.
0: Uh, and it, yeah, they it, did. It, 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 They gave it to us early, but still made us wait. That's right. And the the whole scuffed production team was in an uproar over the weekend when we got word that it was going to come out early. So we didn't get a chance to do our regular like roster projection slash pontification episode, but we're ready to react to Sarakin's choices because that's what we do. And I think there's plenty to be excited about here, both in the, yo, I can't wait sense, and uh what in the dickens is going on here sense i think there's a little bit of both on the internet today very much the case there's a lot of old timey swearing going on <laughs> dag nabit uh let's let's jump in so i'll just read off the goalkeepers defenders and forwards and then uh greg has Kindly created some categories for the midfielders, which is where there's a lot, a little bit more interest, I think, and a lot more to discuss. So, goalkeepers, Zach Steffen, clear number one. Are we agreed on that? Yeah, Zach Steffen.
1: Well, I, I, I feel like uh, <laughs> I have to hedge a little bit now because we'll, we'll. I think we'll find out. I think it'll be a good, good to have Steffen and Brad Guzan side by side in camp.
0: Yeah, that's right. I heard Tim Howard on the Total Soccer Show say. I think Daryl Grove said, Zach the number one, right? And Tim Howard said, I think there's a big, bald guy in Atlanta who will have something to say say about that. So maybe that it was, is an open question. That was a fantastic interview. It was very good, yeah. Nicely done, Total Soccer Show and Daryl. And, and Tim Howard. And, and Tim Howard, yeah. The, I mean, this is a total tangent, but what he said about wishing ill of the guy ahead of you in the depth chart. Do you, do you remember that? Really? Yeah. That was just that was amazing candor. I loved it. Amazing candor,
1: and I, I still think that's a big like lesson for everyone who's like because uh, who, as fans we're always like you just got to go and fight your way into the first team, and I still think that so for so many people it's just not even a possibility. Yeah, uh, that was like, part of it. There's not necessarily just an avenue into the first team just by work by fighting harder and training
0: yeah he kept saying that you can't outwork your, you can't outwork the guy to get past him but Daryl I was struck by Daryl kept trying to get Tim Howard to to talk about like helping the team and giving the younger guys pointers and Howard was just like no I don't do that <laughs> that is not how it works I take care of my business okay so defense potentially still in the picture Ethan Horvath uh, you know
1: just throw a dart at the third goalkeeper
0: that's right John Brooks, Matt Miazga, Anthony Robinson, DeAndre Yedlin, Reggie Cannon, Cameron Carter Vickers, Aaron Long, and Ben Sweat are the defenders.
1: So Reggie Cannon, I mean, the, the four sort of pro- prohibitive uh, favorites to be the starters are Brooks, Miazga, Ra- Robinson, Yedlin. Yep. Really excited to see Cannon called up. Yes. Uh, thought we'd have to wait a little longer for that just because of his MLS duties, but uh, so that's a nice kind of pleasant surprise, uh, and then you know Ben Sweat as the depth left back is kind of a cool direction to go. It's kind of one of those more speculative picks that I talked about in the last per, the last roster projection. Uh, kind of, I'm kind of excited to see that start. Hopefully, that starts to be the practice.
0: I mean, have you do you know much about him? Is he is he pretty solid?
1: I I don't know. Does I mean zero? He has
0: zero caps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I I don't know. I don't know how good he is, but he's... I just know that you watch every NYCFC game.
1: (laughs) He's a left back with a pulse, and he's an American, and that is not... There aren't too many.
0: Yeah, there's like three or four other ones. And then it's a little surprising, I guess, that Aaron Long got the call up instead of Tim Parker. Tim Parker's been a little bit more favored lately. Uh, But I saw Sarikin said, hey, Long did well in the last camp. It's a shame he didn't get a chance to play. We want to get another look at him, so...
1: Did he say that long was injured in the last camp because uh, I, so. I mean you can say it's a shame he didn't get the,
0: a chance to play
1: but it's not like he rolled dice and long just didn't didn't win the, I mean Serkin chose not to play him and didn't even dress him for uh, the games is that right
0: yeah I'm I'm taking a little poetic license there I don't think he said it's a shame quote okay. unquote. he but he said something in the effect like he didn't get a chance to play last time we want to get another look at him something I mean you know how anodyne those Q and A's with the U S soccer PR team are. Sure. Sure. Okay. Okay. But yeah, uh, solid defending core. Um, it's the core that you, you know, that you scratched out on your, uh, beautiful mind paper. <laughs> yeah. So all four of those guys are there and,
1: uh, that's what we'd expect or that's what I, I mean. I'm glad they're all available. I, I'm, I'm excited for them to start being able to, get a bunch of reps together in these windows.
0: Yeah, that's our D. That's our D. Brooks, Miazga, R- Robinson, Yedlin. That's our defense for now. And the other guys are there to push them and see what see what happens. Uh, at forward, we have Andrea Novakovic. Recalled, yeah. yeah. Four goals in the Divisi so far. I did a little gif thread over the weekend of his performance against Ajax. It wasn't like some kind of amazing master class, but he was... He was pretty good against, uh, you know, a center back delete who is considered, you know, a target for the Premier League, one of the best young center backs in the in the world. So he looked all right. Yeah, Did he was productive.
1: Things. He he wasn't shut down. That's for sure. I mean, uh, they were Fortuna is going to be outclassed against Ajax. So Novakovich made the most of a couple of
0: opportunities. Yeah, totally. So I'm excited to see if he can get on the field. And then Josh Sargent, uh, called up from his Werder Bremen two duties. Still hasn't broken into that match day squad for Werder Bremen. And then Bobby Wood got an assist over the weekend and he's still, you know, he's going to be in the mix at striker for the U S men's national team for a while. I'm thinking.
1: I'm guessing so as well. I'm I'm most excited about Sargent, uh, I feel like he's going to have such a ridiculous swing of, of games where it's Bremen 2 and then it's the U.S. senior team and then maybe he'll make his Bremen first team debut and then he's going to go play for the U 20 national team.
0: Yeah, uh, It's just going to be sort of all over the different levels of play. Yeah, I wonder what that does to a player, all those different levels. Maybe nothing. <laughs> he just gets to kind of show off in a couple of them. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, Fingers crossed. Now, things get a little more interesting in the midfield. Why don't you talk, talk about the three categories that you have for our midfielders? Well, because the, the U.S. press release just listed
1: 10 midfielders, but I feel like uh, it's, it's clear that they aren't all cut of the same cloth. So right. uh, we broke them into sort of clear center mids, and those are guys like uh, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, I think Will Trap only has one spot. He's going to play in a central midfield. He's not going to be, he's not going to be the attacking mid. He's going to be holding. Uh, did I miss anybody from that group? You um, like? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yes, you did. Michael Bradley is back. Bradley's welcome, back. Welcome back, Michael. Uh, we'll just leave that there for now. A um, hundred and forty caps. Wow. Yeah. We'll see if he gets his 141st. Okay, so Bradley is a sort of completes that set of, you know, uh, s- sort of your standard center mids. Uh, then we have your attacking center mids slash like wingers. Basically, these are these are attacking players. These are players you want to get out running. And that's Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, and our a favorite of of this podcast, Jonathan Eamon.
0: Yeah, very thrilled. You know. As thrilled as I am about Cannon getting the call-up, Eamon is just, I'm just a little more excited about Eamon. He had another pretty good game today, created a goal-scoring chance for Nordjylland in, I believe, a win for them in the Danish Superliga. Just a just a very exciting attacking player. Takes people on, creates chances. It's the exactly the kind of thing we didn't have any of. In the last two friendlies Or really the friendlies before that too Yeah Jonathan You are correct to be more excited about Jonathan Amon Than Reggie
1: Cannon Reggie Cannon is sort of fighting for at best DeAndre Edlin's backup spot Uh, Jonathan Amon could Could uh, Like alter the way we are able to play soccer As a national team If he's if he's anywhere near like a Christian Pulisic level, anywhere near, he doesn't have to be Christian Pulisic, but if he just gives us that level or near that level of threat on the left side of the field,
0: yeah, he uh, just just has that's a game changer. Just has to be like pretty responsible and on the you know on the defensive side and and then just get a few chances in isolation with the ball at his feet. I mean, he's gonna make stuff happen. I don't think there's a ton of doubt about that. I do have a ton
1: of doubt about that. Bill. <laughs> so, you do? Yeah, that's why I'm so excited that he's out there because if he can do it, that's—I mean—that's huge. That's—that's that's what people get paid millions of dollars to do. All right, so those are sort of the, my attacking center mid slash wingers, uh, and then I kind of have these mystery midfielders where I have no idea how they're going to be used by Sarikin, Uh and that'd be Kellen Costa, Kenny Seff, and Julian Green. They could be uh, like. Played as number tens, uh, Kellen Costa played in a couple of different midfield assignments uh, as the Julian Green in the last window. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, utility just, players. That's right. They're all they're all kind of like tweeners without a clear position. I mean, I guess Acosta's you know he's been played as a midfielder, but that everybody knows it's not really his position. I mean, not I don't I don't mean as a midfielder. I mean as an outside as a wide player. Definitely not his position, but I suppose he could be put there again.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I kind of said this as soon as I saw the lineup that uh the only real right winger we have uh in this group is Christian Pulisic. No one else is a out and out like right winger. Um so you you wonder if Serikin still feels he can use Kalin cost out there. I don't think he would hesitate to use Julian Green in that position as as sort of that
0: utility man, um, yeah. Tim so Waya. Anyway. Tim Wea could. I mean, Tim Waya has played some right wing and played some right wing for the national team against Bolivia, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, but probably a little bit more comfortable on the left side and or at striker. So. So yeah. Point so that's, that's
1: sort of that's sort of the midfield, and I think that's the big uh, jigsaw puzzle that has to be solved and it's going to be solved, uh, by the new, the new manager coming in is going to have to solve it. Uh, Sarah can give us a little bit of a glimpse of what might work and what might not.
0: Yeah. Well, before we flip all the pieces of that jigsaw over out onto this well-worn table of ours, uh, what do you think just overall of the roster? Uh, I'm happy with it, man. This
1: is this is exactly what I've kind of wanted. Uh, I talked about what the plan should be going forward after the last round of friendlies. Uh, and this is basically it. Like, you have your core of my core's seven guys right now. Uh, the back four, I consider Stefan the guy right now, Tyler Adams, and then Christian Pulisic, that I think almost any manager will, will key in on as their core. And then you've got your sort of next three guys in my mind is McKenney. Kellen Acosta, Tim Weah as having a lot of potential to uh, lock in a spot on the 11. And then uh, you're giving a bunch of auditions to guys who could conceivably jump over the existing supporting cast. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really happy with it. I mean, so you think of guys like Eamon and Seth, uh, and those guys have a chance now to leap uh, Julian Green, Paul Areola— and really make a spot on the twenty three their own.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Although Green is still there. Ariel is not, but but yeah, I don't, maybe maybe that makes it easier to jump them if you're training side by side with them. That's that's def
1: I think that's definitely the case. I think these guys will sort of welcome it and uh, I'm hoping that it's just uh, an obvious difference in what Eamon and Seth give you versus what like a Julian Green provides.
0: Yeah. And then we've, you know, we've we've gotten to see some of Josh Sargent, but this is this is going to be along with all the other good players, like all the good players in the pool, or many of them, you know, that core. So that's a little different, you know, than the than Sargent getting a start against Bolivia with Pulisic. I guess Pul- Pulisic was on the field for that game, but he was a shadow easy. of himself. Yeah, easy
1: to forget that Pulisic was on the field in that game. <laughs> yeah. And so then, I think this will be yeah this is he's playing now a sort of peak pool sick. right? Which is going to be fun to see if we if we see it and then yeah and then uh, Reggie Cannon uh, has a chance to sort of he has a chance to make make that backup right back spot his uh, and who knows uh, he's he's a young kid like he might be two three years away from being a, an improvement on DeAndre Edlin.
0: I mean, you're going to find no disagreement here. I guess I've said it before. I don't think he's that far behind Yedlin right now, and I, d- I do think he's gonna he's gonna claim that that second spot over Shaq more. Uh, you know, I mean, he maybe I mean maybe the level of MLS is just so much worse than I think it is, and he's gonna he'll bomb out. But I don't think that's gonna happen. I think he's really good. And then you know, Sweat Sweat won the he's the latest winner of the left back sweepstakes, like we talked about earlier. <laughs> yeah, you had to beat out sixteen-year-old uh, George Bello, and you yep. managed to do that for this call-up. So <laughs> good, good on you, Ben Sweat. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. But it'd be a disappointment if uh, Robinson doesn't start, right?
1: Yeah, disappointment. Uh, I I'll go back one window and almost like uh, apologize for the vitriol I, I spewed towards Tim or uh, Eric Lehigh. Uh, like I. I realize too that there are other considerations, even for the minutes you're getting in these friendly windows. Like maybe uh, it was an agreement with Robin. I'm not. I'm just speculating, but maybe it was best for Robinson not to play a full 180 minutes and then have to return to uh, his Wigan side, sort of fatigued. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously Brooks goes back immediately after the first game's over. So they did. He just dispensed with the second one altogether. So uh, there could be some courtesy rotation here for these guys who are going back to Europe to play.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I hadn't thought of it because I was just so hopped up about John Brooks being a traitor to our nation. <laughs> also, also, I just
1: feel like I owe Eric Lehigh an apology in general. So <laughs> so I just wanted to get out, out of, I like Eric Lehigh a lot. I've, I just feel like his the time that he should have had to play was 2014 to 2018.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's good to apologize, good to make amends, good to, good, to, good to admit that when you've done wrong, if you think you've done wrong. I don't, and I don't apologize direct to people,
1: I just like open a window and shout an apology out into the, <laughs> out into the universe <laughs> for, uh, for like an offense that the person has no idea was committed in the first place.
0: <laughs> okay, any, any obvious <laughs> snubs for you in this lineup? I got some in mind. Yeah, give me yours first. Um, I mean, I, I wish Nagby and Delgado were there, and we'll get into this more later, but uh, I think they would have been really useful in this midfield jigsaw puzzle process we're about to embark on. But yeah, like you, for the most part, I'm really happy with the roster. I think the back four and the front three and the goalkeepers are at this point are kind of hard to screw up. The back four is clarifying. And the front three, there aren't a lot of wrong answers, I don't think.
1: Not Unless- a lot of wrong
0: wrong experiments. Like anyone you put in, you're is going to learn. You're going to learn something. Yeah, I mean Zardis would be a wrong answer, I think. Well, he's not on the list, so we don't have to worry about that. Right. I'm just saying there that a wrong answer does exist. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I got gotcha. you. No, yeah. That's why. That's why I like
1: this roster so much is because uh, there are so few guys he could play where he would be like, oh no, this doesn't. This won't tell us anything.
0: And that we'll get to see Pulisic, that we finally convinced him to love his country again and and play with the yeah. national team. But but seriously, that we'll get to see him in a de- in peak Pulisic, as you put it, decent run of midseason form with McKinney and Adams and everybody else all in the field together, that's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see. Because yeah. we still uh, haven't seen that. We haven't seen that yet. That Pulisic versus Bolivia performance has a gigantic asterisk next to it because it was so bad from Christian <laughs> and he was tired and all that he was
1: he was indifferent
0: we'll say yeah so this uh, is going to be the first time we get to see hopefully get to see Pulisic and McKenney on the field together and Adams and Brooks and Miazga and Anthony Robinson the whole kit and caboodle
1: yeah that's that's uh, that's an intriguing like it's going to be a, it's worth being excited about I feel like there's a lot more excitement for this group of players that was called up
0: than there was even though we were playing against Brazil and
1: Mexico in the last window.
0: Yep, totally agree. I mean, Pulisic has a lot to do with that. That's just the reality of the national team right now. Any other snubs? Um, so these
1: guys aren't snubs. There's perfectly good explanations for leaving them off, but the D.C. United guys, uh, I feel like they should be mentioned. Uh, Areola... Russell uh, Russell Canoos, who I think is making a real strong case for inclusion uh, very soon. Yes. Um, And then uh, Bill Hamid, um, who arguably is in the picture for that third goalkeeper spot, or even second goalkeeper spot. But uh, again, they've got two games over this international window, so they need those guys badly.
0: Yes, yeah they they're looking real good right now too did you happen to see the dc united 5-0 pasting of montreal <laughs> yeah that was that was that's just wildly entertaining soccer what did you i did not watch that game um i my saturdays are just i'm just totally pinned down all day what what did uh what did canoe look like uh, can,
1: yeah i, I think canoe looks really good i think he looks really sharp Uh, he's in like a double pivot and he just seems to always be, uh, dissuading attacks from his side. Um, and he looks very like composed on the ball. Huh? I'll take Canuse, man. Like I would take him in a, I'd take him in an 11 for the U S, uh, in a, in a competitive game, like kind of almost sight unseen. I'm not saying he'd be the best guy, but I think he could, uh, I wouldn't have any fear of putting him in.
0: Interesting. Okay he was like a captain of the U twenty team, wasn't he? When he was younger, I believe that's the case. Until he got hurt, or even, or he was one, and then he got hurt, something like that. Even after that's he his, got hurt, he was path. he was wearing crutches in the stands, and they gave him the armband. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need that leadership if
1: he's going to displace Will Trap.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then our two of our Scandinavian trio didn't make it, Roman Gaul. Manuel Sabi. Sabi's injured, right? That's yes. a perfectly good explanation for that. Sabi's so been left out of the last couple of games for his club. Uh, and then Gall,
1: I, I still don't really know what to make of Gall, man. Like, he's in and out of that Malmo lineup uh, Yeah, in Sweden. And the, I do think, you know, the level of competition in the Swedish league might be incredibly variable. <laughs> yes. So, so it could sort of explain why he's deemed necessary for some games or essentially deemed un- unnecessary for certain games where maybe they're playing tougher domestic competition. He's left off in favor of someone else.
0: I don't, I don't know. It's it's impossible to tell what's going on behind that curtain. Yeah. We need somebody to really dig into it, <laughs> but um, which I have not done, but it is worth noting that like by UEFA league coefficients, you know, the, Whatever scoring system they use to decide how many teams from each league go to the Champions League and the Europa League, the Swedish league is uh, quite a bit below the Danish league. It's a different, um, it's a different level according to UEFA. So, just that's just something to remember, I guess. Yeah, and that that actually even yeah whatever we
1: can we can talk about, we can move on from golf. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not like a. Devastated that Gauls left off.
0: No, he'll he, he'll have his chance. I think everybody's kind of aware of him. Um, and then Altador <laughs> allegedly injured, but then he cri- cryptically tweeted on on the internet uh, in response to a Hurt Gomez tweet about the roster. I think the the Gomez tweet said that uh, you know Altidore back with, out with a like a minor back injury or something, and then Altador responded just LOL. Yeah, man, like that is a really – so Herx
1: reported that – Stu Holden reported uh, that Altidore would have been called up but for this injury.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: And Altidore responded with LOL,
0: which I have no idea what that means. I don't know. Send it to Congress. Let's have a hearing. (laughs) So,
1: uh, I mean, I I don't have any problem once Altidore is healthy – Uh, getting him back in the mix but uh, yeah that'll have people that'll have people wondering
0: yeah I wonder I wonder a little bit but I'm not gonna spend all night wondering okay Uh, let's let's come back in a minute and talk about this midfield jigsaw puzzle good with you alright yeah the great midfield experiment bells alright be back in a second Question here is how is Sarakin gonna run out his midfield tr- trio, right? Because it's gonna be a trio. Has to be
1: a trio. I can't imagine any four, like straight four-four-two old school uh,
0: being used here. Even if it's a three-five-two, there's gonna be a mid- midfield trio. Um, I you know in preparation for the episode, I thought we were gonna be recording, which was uh, roster projection. I prepared some, a couple of midfield experiments that I thought would be useful for the USMNT to try, in order to give Weston McKennie uh, a chance to really excel, which he hasn't done. All right, and to be fair, like even no matter what, this
1: this experiment has to be run somehow. You know, like whether uh, whether it's this. Round of friendlies, or I mean, this the experiment is going to be taking place all the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is. Would you agree? It's like the it's basically the key question for the national team right now. Not not maybe so much specifically how do we how do we get West McKenny to excel on the field, but just like how are they going to line those those middle three guys up, and what are we going to do with them?
1: Yeah, my my only my uh, caveat would be. At this point, it's how do we get the most out of Tyler Adams? But it's going to be in some kind of a midfield three.
0: I think we're getting quite a bit out of Tyler Adams right now. Yeah, don't disagree with that either. And we're not getting quite as much out of McKinney. So let's figure out if McKinney can be woven into this midfield because it seems like Tyler Adams sort of kind of figures it out, you know?
1: Well, so he does, but I'd say like uh Tyler Adams never looks bad. So right. Tyler Adams against Brazil when we were uh you know struggling for our lives still looked good whenever he actually had occasion to uh, be on the ball. Tyler Adams against Mexico even in the first 40 minutes when we were abysmal, he never actually looked bad. He uh, just,
0: he I'll I'll push back a little bit. He didn't look he, he didn't look very good either in that right. 40 minute stretch. That's fair, uh, but
1: it's not like he was. He was. It, I didn't. I never thought like Adams is really just. Uh, Struck. I never thought he was just like struggling. Like he never looked to uh, make poor decisions on the ball. Uh, so it's like we didn't. We didn't set ourselves up to get very much out of Tyler Adams in the first forty minutes of the Mexico game. How's that?
0: Yeah. I mean, it does seem like it, whether it's Adams or McKenney who is the focal point of your sort of hopes and dreams for the the midfield. Uh the I think the I think the reality is the the midfield was not set up for those two. It was set up with Will Trapp as the you know, he was the captain, he was the 6 in both games. So he was the guy, he was the immovable force. And I think that was a, probably a mistake in retrospect. <laughs>
1: in retrospect, yes. I think it is definitely time for a Will Trapless midfield. I don't know if that's what we're going to see, but I think that it's
0: worth like uh, painting out what that should look like. Right. So my 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 strong desire is to see uh, McKenney thrive in there, and I think Adams will thrive anyway. So enough with the preamble the way uh, the way they've been trotted out together McKenney and Adams they've started they started both of those games was as dual eights ahead of trap and it didn't work and I, I, maybe that's because of trap maybe because maybe it was all trap's fault but i don't think so and it was it was it was chaotic it was too chaotic especially from McKenney would never got a sense that he found his place in the game and sort of got comfortable I could not have predicted that, but it's true. And then when the 4-2-3-1 came, when McKennie was injured and Green came on, it did seem, I and mean, we went over this at length a couple weeks ago, but it did seem to bring order and composure to the U.S. men's national team against that Mexico B team. We ended up winning 1-0 against a 10-man Mexico side. But I do think that formation, and I think you agree with me, right? Was better. Yes. Yeah.
1: Suited Tyler Adams better. I think it would suit Weston McKinney better as well, uh, sitting next to Adams.
0: Yeah. So that's my so that's my first option. It's what I would have liked to see uh, for this next match, which I don't think we're going to see given the personnel that was called in. But what I would have liked to see was McKinney and Adams sitting next to each other in a double pivot and then uh, say Darlington Nagby. As the 10, but not a 10, not a Lionel Messi kind of 10, but more of like just a, a 10-ish 8 whose job it is to carry the ball forward and just get it to Pulisic, Eamon, Wea, Sargent, Novakovich, anybody up there in a, in a dangerous sort of advanced part of the field.
1: Or even Adams coming from the from the level behind. Sure. So essentially somebody who's capable of collapsing a defense without losing the ball to that collapsed defense. Right, yeah. And Nagby certainly seems to have those tools, unfortunately. Bells, your, your, your first wish is not going to come true as Nagby's not on the roster.
0: Right, right. So say goodbye to that one. Is there a way to do some kind of midfield like that. I mean, I guess you could just slot Acosta in for Nagby, which is, which he would, would have been my second choice in that spot anyway from the current pool. But it's, it's a, it's quite a drop off, I think from Nagby to Acosta for that specific role. All
1: right. I think it's worth, I think it's worth checking that one out. I think Acosta ahead of an Adams McKenney double pivot is worth exploring. And I think, uh, I think that would sort of satisfy the the testing uh, phase of your first midfield choice. Because I think your first midfield choice is Adams and McKenney. Those are the key ingredients to it. Mm-hmm. Adams and in a in sort of a double pivot holding uh, role with more or less like free license for one of them anytime to
0: to go off reservation and get forward. Yep. Yeah. That is the core of it. I just thought Nagby, Nagby fit that. Other role partic- particularly well. I mean, he essentially would have been in in the in the position that Julian Green was in, but he wouldn't have lost the ball fifty percent of the times he tried to dribble.
1: Right, Nagby can hold the
0: ball, hold, ride a challenge,
1: release uh, a pretty good pass under duress. So I was I was excited to see Nagby. Uh, he wasn't even available for the last window because of his injury, but he came back from that. Uh, full speed ahead and he's been blank. So I was I thought I expected Nagby to get called up. Uh, and that's who I would have liked to have seen. I was the same boat as you even independently before we started talking about what we wanted. Uh that was my midfield trio that I
0: wanted to was McKenny Adams and Nagby. In a four two three one. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Well we'll just we're just gonna have to be sad together, I guess.
1: I <laughs> know. but I won't be sad if Acosta gets a run out there. I think I think giving a. Uh, Acosta shot there would be fine, and I think we could learn from that. Whether basically, what we could learn is—is is he better at that position than Julian Green? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I have my misgivings about it, but I would, I would, I would like, I would be happy to see it. So the other, the other option was—I mean—any any more thoughts on that? Awesome. No, see,
1: so you, you know, you got, you got that. I mean, it's just—I'm laughing about how immediate
0: your, uh, your first option was ruled out. Yep. And my second option is going to be ruled out too, <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, so if if that didn't work, so I wanted us to try that. If, if the McKinney-Adams double pivot didn't work with Nagby or Acosta in front of him, then I wanted to see Adams as the lone six, which is a position I think he, he believes he can play. It's his favorite position. He's As as you've pointed out a lot, Greg, he's poisoned for counterattacks. And he has the toughness, quickness, and mental alertness to really not lock down the spot. Uh, McKinney, against a good team, not Bolivia, I, I would be less comfortable with McKinney in that spot, just based on the evidence of the last two national team games. He has the toughness, but not the quickness or the mental alertness. You could... You could call mental alertness just, like, his defensive reading of the game. Yeah,
1: his recognition of, like, uh, desperation moments where we de- we just have to have... We just need you to recover back to be an extra body in the box to jam things up.
0: Yeah. Adams is on his mother frickin' horse to get back. And McKenney just kind of... It doesn't seem like he quite knows what's happening. That's a little harsh, but it's... Yeah, it's he just doesn't move with the
1: same. He doesn't move with the same urgency early enough. Like there's a, a lot of guys who move with the urgency once they see that they're needed. Uh, and Adams moves quickly just in case he's needed. Yes,
0: good, well put, well put. So I don't want. So I think Adams should be the six, and then we put McKenney as a dual eight with somebody else, somebody who is a good glue player. And for me, that is like when I say glue player, I mean somebody who connects passes harmoniously and does a lot of little things well and moves well off the ball and even can get into the attack a little bit. And that's for me is Marky Delgado. And I know that there are a lot of people who say Delgado's not an international caliber player. And I don't know if he's better than Nagby or Ac- Acosta overall, or even Julian green. I, I do think he's better than Julian green, but I, I don't want to have that debate. I don't know if he's better than Nagby or Acosta overall, but for my purposes, what this like sort of sidekick to McKenney, I think he makes the most sense. Um, so, so he's better at those particular – he has those traits uh, more than
1: any of the other guys uh, on offer?
0: Well, he certainly has more defensive bite than Nagby. I think he's um, – I think he's a little – he has a little bit more of that Tyler Adams alertness than Acosta does. And you know he's a, just a good passer. He plays passes. He plays passes in stride. Uh, things just kind of things kind of just get rhythmic around him. And I think it's worth sacrificing Nagby's gliding around with the ball and Acosta's deadly set pieces for that just sort of overall utility and rhythm building that Delgado brings. Again, it's all a moot point because Delgado's not in the camp. <laughs> But you might get that – maybe that will be a January test. Maybe, but then in January – You write or Adams. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if there's anybody else who uh, – I mean, Acosta is probably the closest corollary to Delgado. So maybe Adams, McKenny, Adams in the, at the 6, McKinney and Acosta at the 8. What do you think?
1: Yeah, but I, I, I'm still with you. Acosta is just not the, there. – there isn't – uh, anyone on this list who's the same kind of center midfielder as Delgado is, uh, so you're not going to get this test, man. Like you're going to have to wait. March is the earliest you can get this one.
0: Yeah, well, maybe in November.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true too. I, I somehow just ruled that out for some reason.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, given the given the hopelessness of Toronto's uh, playoff situation, it and the fact that Bradley was called up. It is there's – no, there's no reason Delgado wasn't called up except he just didn't make the grade, right? I'll
1: just – I'll actually say when we were talking about the D.C. United guys, one of their games in the window is against Toronto. And I was like, is, is Sarekin actually just doing a favor to Ben Olsen and just <laughs> taking, taking Michael Bradley out of the picture for him?
0: Maybe so. Maybe he's doing a favor for Greg Vanny because Bradley's form hasn't been that great. Oh. He's gonna have to go with another center. But he's a center back
1: in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah, it, it's, it seems like it's a soccer decision from Sarakin to leave Delgado out.
0: Yeah. So neither of the neither of the Bell's midfield tests will be conducted in in their pure form. What about Bradley? What do we do now? <laughs> he's here. He'll be here. What do you? What would you? What would you like to see? Two part question: the universe of players in the pool and what we have in this roster. What kind of midfield testing would you like to see?
1: I want to see. I still think the primary test is Adams and McKenney as double pivots, uh, or as a double pivot. And then uh, again, before Nagby got hurt after the Mexico game, or I'm sorry, before Nagby returned from injury. So yeah. immediately following the Mexico game, uh, I wanted to see a Costa slide into. Julian Green spot, and I wanted Christian Pulisic to slide into Kellen Acosta's wide right spot, and I wanted to leave way out on the left and run a 4-2-3-1 with those guys. So that's still possible for this camp. That's what I want. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think what's cool about Bradley being there is there was n- like no moment in my mind where I was like, uh, Will Trapp is a better midf- center midfielder than Weston McKenney right now, uh, and so there was never a question that in a double pivot with everyone healthy, if you're going like that way from the start, it should be Adams and McKenney. with Michael Bradley in the picture. Uh, now, I feel like Weston McKenney does have to prove that he's better than Michael Bradley. Mm. This, that, this is where uh, a lot of people are getting like angry just hearing me say that because they don't think Michael Bradley deserves to be anywhere close to this team. But that's, that's the reality of this, right, is uh, West McKenney now has, I think, a, the uh, best center midfielder for the U.S. for the past eight years um, as the standard ES reach. It's not Will Trapp anymore. It's it's the 140 caps owning Michael Bradley. Yeah.
0: I bet training is going to be fascinating, <laughs> don't you think? Yes, yes. This is This is where I wish we had the all-access pass. Cause you know, did you see the Jimmy uh, Jimmy Conrad quote uh, that's going around on Reddit? He said, "Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah." He, this is from a couple months ago, and people were speculating about Bradley coming back.
0: Yes, he said. I mean, this is not an exact quote, but some, Conrad said on a on his new podcast uh, that Michael Bradley is a super alpha male know it all, <laughs> and basically says he's a negative, he'd be a negative influence on the young guys. Now, you know, that's one guy saying that. So, so it's take it with a grain of salt. But I, you know, you can see a little of that know it allness in Bradley when you, when he inter, when he does interviews and stuff. And my, but my, what my takeaway from that is not like, therefore Bradley shouldn't be there. My takeaway from that is like, are players like Adams and McKinney, do they have the strength of will and personality to sort of, uh push back against that. You know, not that Bradley is going to get in their face, but just like just to be a presence in that room that uh that doesn't back down from Bradley's presence. You know what I mean? Am I right, getting too right. psychological? No, no, there's
1: there's there's always a uh like some players will just sort of move to the side and let uh let somebody else sort of dominate the the tone or the attitude of the group. And I think that is is going to be an interesting thing to see play out if, if we're sort of able to see it from the distance we're watching from.
0: Right. I mean, we won't be able to see it, but Dave Sarakan will. And uh, they all will.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But if, if Bradley's starting, if Bradley starts in
1: this game, mm-hmm. uh, I think it would be over like a West McKinney. It's hard to imagine a well, I guess it's not that – maybe I take that back. It's not that hard to imagine a bradley adams McKenney midfield. Yeah, a, I can imagine two different ways of that. But what were you going to say? Go ahead. I was just going to say in a double pivot, like does that mean it's Bradley and Adams and McKenny is playing an eight? Yes. I think
0: that's okay. That's what it would be. Or if it weren't a double pivot, then it would be McKenney as a six and then dual eights McKenney. Like there's so hold on. you like, Brad, Bradley is a six, Bradley is a lone six.
1: Yep, and then okay, Adam, Adams and Adam McKenney. So, so essentially, Bradley would just be taking Will Trapp's place, and then if the 4-1-4-1 4-1 is successful, it's all be, it's all because Will Trapp couldn't make it work in the last games.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's totally plausible that Dave Sarakin's takeaway from from the last two friendlies was, uh, w- I need Michael Bradley in that spot. Uh, and I'll say
1: this: I don't know if Bradley has the chops for it either. But um, if you're going to run Adams and McKenney as those dual eights. Uh, it sure seems to me like you are putting yourself in a pressing like you're you're deploying personnel who are primed to press and like hound and yeah uh, so if you're going to play them there and then you don't do that then you're kind of you're you're not using them correctly and I don't think you can really do that with will trap as a six so that's when you were going over it before is it all will trap's fault I was like well if you're going to play those guys there with will trap behind them you're just Will Trap can't cover the, the next line that is going to be available with uh, Adams and McKenny
0: pressing. I mean, Bradley is an improvement on that front over Trap, wouldn't you say? Even at his advanced age? Yeah, that's, that's
1: going to be the issue. Is So do you do all this uh, with Bradley and then a year from now you can't do it because Bradley can't do the job that he can do right now?
0: I mean, Does it's, all, that make sense? it's all very Does fascinating. Yeah, it totally makes sense. So you it's find all...
1: out that it looks great right now. And then uh, nine months later, Bradley's legs have gone.
0: And it was all sort of for naught. Right. And then we just have to wait for the next Bradley, which is not Will Trap. And probably not Chris Durkin either. At least that's my projection at the moment. But maybe it's Canuse. Is Canuse comfortable in a six, alone six? holding midfielder spot
1: uh, that's i mean we that we got a long ways to go to find that out so uh but anyway that's that's sort of my the midfield i, I want to see uh, a double pivot and so if bradley beats out McKenney i think that would be a really interesting uh development <laughs> that'd be that'd people be would key. be so mad oh man imagine it bells would you, would you be upset if you saw a lineup that had Adams-Bradley uh, playing, like, his double pivot
0: behind, like, Acosta? Or, Ju- or Julian or Green. Or Julian Green, yeah. Yeah, I'd be a little upset. Uh, I, I do acknowledge that McKinney hasn't played well. So, and that's a hard thing for me to acknowledge. I've been, like, his biggest cheerleader. And I
1: think we can probably drop in, like, his his Bundesliga form. Uh, which uh, you almost have to call like uh, non-existent. Like it's he's been playing, but the way Schalke play, like it's not. You, there's nothing you see in the Schalke game that's going to tell you that he's he's going to s- slot right back into the U.S. and like be this ball control player that we're expecting him to be.
0: Yeah, Schalke is total crap. I mean, they're so bad to watch. And he, like, I know I'm not the only person saying this. I think Kim McCauley... Wrote a piece about it, and it's been talked about a lot. But yeah, Shalke just plays long balls, and McKenny, McKenny's job, as a he plays as an advanced central midfielder, is to try to win second balls and spring transition moments. He's which he's he's pretty decent at. You know, he helped create a goal a couple weeks ago before he got injured. In that way, got an assist. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not, garbage stuff. Yeah. And it's it's hilarious because you still put,
1: like, the. He still has a Champions League tag on him because they're playing in the Champions League.
0: But they're a horrendous team right now. Yeah, they really are horrendous. And so, yeah, it doesn't. It's hard to see, like, where his good form is going to come from. But that's, that's 20, what we're going to see. <laughs> he's 20. He's 20. And, and when it comes to, like, competing with uh, like high caliber players I mean he's been doing that for you know 14-15 months more like 18 months at Schalke you know he's been playing with Leon Goretzka Max Meyer uh, Nabil Bentaleb is not at the top of his game right now but he's you know he's a class player and McKenny has beaten him out
1: yeah and I'm not saying McKennie won't slip right back into like a uh really clean on the ball like part of a twenty thirty pass movement for the US. Uh we just I just don't we just don't really know. So it's hard to we can't really guarantee that. So again if they come into this camp and Bradley looks way cleaner and smoother, that wouldn't be a surprise either, mm-hmm. given what McKenney's been doing for the last month.
0: So would you between uh a double pivot with Bradley and Adams, let's just take the best case scenarios. A double p- pivot with Bradley and Adams at the six and then uh, McKinney at the eight that's option one option two would be uh, Bradley at the six and then a dual eights of McKinney and Adams do you have a preference between those two? Option one it's gotta be
1: it's gotta be Adams and Bradley Adams and somebody holding mids together okay does that make sense? yeah so whether why
0: why are you why does it have to be that? um
1: All right. So we could do, we could do, uh, Adams could be a dual eight if we are running like a full on organized press. Mm -hmm. If we're not doing that, I don't want Adams as a dual eight. I want him to be able to uh, do all the things that like a pressing midfield, a pressing holding mid would do, but also be able to uh, bomb forward the way he does routinely or the way he, I mean, he's able to.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And and the the point is, we're it's just going to be difficult for Sarakin to uh, construct an actual working press on this national in, team in four days. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair.
1: All right. So I mean, that was that was a lot, and it's just so many moving pieces. But let's <laughs> let's talk about what you think Sarakin is actually going to do. And I'm going to start by saying what happens to all of this if Sarakin decides that Christian Pulisic as a lot of people really think, and I don't, I don't even mean to say that like sarcastically, but a lot of people believe Christian Pulisic should be played as a central attacking midfielder deployed as a 10.
0: I don't know, man. Talk about moving pieces. It's just, <laughs> turns it turns into a cuckoo clock. That's just falling apart. Um, I mean you could
1: still have the same double pivot, so your double pivot options would still be Adams McKenney or Adams and Bradley.
0: And then pool sick is ten, so that's that's all well and good, right? I mean, don't you feel like it's like an eighty percent chance that Bradley's gonna start? Uh, just no uh, just what Sarakin's gonna do, not what any of us wants, but you don't So here here's here's the other thing for Bradley being
1: an, an alpha male. Uh, he, I also think he is a absolute like and he said this he's, he's, he's been very clear about this he is an absolutely like win like the team has to win I think he's a in, really intelligent guy and I mean that with like he recognizes that the the job is to do what is optimal for the team to win um, and if, if that means he's relegated to a spot on the bench I don't think Michael Bradley will uh, mutiny yeah. I think he. I think he would sit on the bench, and if he gets called in, he will go in and do all the things that he would have done if he were a starter.
0: Yeah, I mean so, that's all well and good. I'm just trying to. I'm just thinking about like what going to do. He's well, going to probably start Bradley. So maybe he does, but like he's he's in a bind in a lot of places. You, do you
1: call up the? the captain for the last eight years and then not start him do you bench the guy who's been your captain for the last six games and will trap who's barely warranted a mention so far for us like I don't know man I think I think Bradley could come off the bench he's been playing center back for the last uh, few games for Toronto like he's not exactly in center mid form right now uh, so that that's that's my that's why I'm comfortable saying that there's at least that he's not 80%
0: likely to start Okay. Well, I interrupted you. Sorry about that.
1: We're we're talking about Pulisic as a ten.
0: Yeah, there there we go. Pulsik and we got a 10.
1: we have we definitely have options for the double pivot. At that point, we've got four with Adams, McKenney, Bradley, and Trap. Uh, <laughs> imagine the outrage if it's Bradley,
0: Trap, and Julian Green. All right, all right. We're gonna stay with what we're talking about here. Pulisic <laughs> as a ten. Uh, yeah, Pulisic as a ten, McKenny Adams as a double pivot. I I'm not gonna complain about that. Even though I don't really like Pulisic as a ten, because then you then you there's a good chance we'll get to see Weah and Eamon or Weah and Saif.
1: Weah, yeah, I think I think Seth has a good chance of starting out left. Uh, sirkin made a comment about him being a very strong player on the left wing, so I think Seth is a, a leading candidate to be out left. Um, but then the right side, if you put Pulisic at the ten, is Tim or Julian Green, and I feel like right now Sarah can probably trust Green more than Weah.
0: Yeah, I suppose. So then we're going to get Saif and Green on the wings, and it's going to be a little bit like that Paraguay game where we didn't have a lot. Of, I mean, I, I've i been going back and forth with people, including Brian Sharetta on Twitter all day about Saif and Eamon, and they're... They they say well he's you know he's uh, he's more polished he's more experienced he's better at combining uh, in the attacking in the attacking half than Eamon, and he's a better defender and that may all be true but what I saw in that Paraguay game from Saif was pretty humdrum in terms of like creating anything and I think I think that's what you saw too if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, that's. I, I think I described it as sort of more of the same of what we've had from our last uh, six, seven years of uh, wide attacking players, which is no threat. Like basically, what we're saying is there's no threat.
0: And it, so it's great to combine, you know, it's great to combine with people. But if you can't be, if you can't provide the threat as an attacking winger in a four three three or four one four one, whatever you call it, I don't know. I'm I'm not thrilled about that. And I guess there's a there's a fitness issue with with Saif maybe he wasn't completely fit for that game and he's like getting more fit now although he just had an injury a couple weeks ago
1: oh he'd been injured since the uh like may camp or the June camps he'd been out from June until probably like uh three weeks ago when he first when he finally started getting back in for okay. Anderlecht. okay and he hasn't he
0: hasn't started a game for him yet that i that I know of so I mean I guess the fitness issue may be an issue that remains. And then, uh, you know, we know about green. He's not, he's not, he's in the, basically in the same category, probably even less threatening than Saif. Uh,
1: but I would take more data on, on Saif. So if, if he starts, I'd, I'd be a little disappointed because I'd want either way, our aim in, in more, in one of those attacking wing roles. But if he starts, we'd at least learn something. Uh, if Julian green, or will trap start? I actually will be like pretty angry. <laughs> we talk about it. it'd be hard to like mess up uh, <laughs> your 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 like lineup. But if if Green or Trap are on the a list for the eleven, like for this first game, I will be pretty. I will be pretty like angry on the internet.
0: How angry are you going to be? What are you going to do? <laughs> are you going to open the window and shout into the universe? <laughs> I will, and there'll be an apology
1: forthcoming later. Uh, but I can guarantee actually I can guarantee this if if trap or green uh, and probably even Bradley start there will be there will be
0: GIF threads that come in yep okay that's a good that's a good productive way to channel the anger
1: well and it wouldn't be and it's not because I'd want to like they won't necessarily be gotcha threads like it'll be for me to be like all right am I correctly evaluating these players Uh, it could be where I'm like no this green was fantastic here's here's eight things he did that were really good. Right. That's, uh, I'd have to do them to, for my own, for like my own sanity. Sometimes it's the only way to really know
0: what you're talking about in a game. You know, I think, I think Bradley basically
1: said that. Didn't yeah.
0: He? yeah. You gotta, you gotta watch it back. All right. Have we, uh, have we covered all this? No, I mean, we haven't
1: covered all of it. There's probably still 15 workable center mid formations that you could deploy. Uh, and I have no idea which one we're going to see.
0: It's going to be like Christmas morning on October 11th when we play Columbia just to see what Sarakin does. Only for a new manager to be named three weeks later. Yeah. The national team has things that they need to accomplish, and if Sarakin is doing things to work towards those goals, then it's good. And if he's not, then it's bad.
1: Yeah, one is better. One is certainly better than the other. Uh, Probably at this point, it would be ideal to have the actual person who's going to be doing this long term uh, pulling these strings, but we're working
0: with what we have. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next segment. All right. After the break. We've got a few short corners, and I'm going to start with some announcements. From time to time, people ask me about songs we play in the breaks between segments. I put almost all the tracks, a few are deep enough cuts that they're not on Spotify, so they're not there. But I put almost all the tracks in a Spotify playlist called The Scuffed Playlist. So if you're one of the people who's curious about the music, you can search and find that on Spotify. Uh, DM me on Twitter if you need the link and announcement number two please rate Scuffed if you're a regular listener on iTunes it only takes a second and if you have 60 seconds write a review please we have last I checked 73 ratings and because I possess magical abilities I know that there are many many more people than that who listen to this podcast every week help us reach more people rate the pod yeah, we're just
1: trying to create more national team fans slash critics.
0: Yeah. We're trying to uh, deepen the conversation, my friends, and make it a little more confusing. <laughs> uh, U.S. Women's National Team World Cup qualifiers are coming up like tomorrow. Like instantly, after yes. tomorrow. Yeah, speaking of trying to create new fans, uh,
1: women's team kicks off uh, the CONCACAF championship against Mexico uh, Wednesday. Is, it, is that, uh, that a Wednesday? Thursday, I think. October 4th. Yeah, so they kick off Thursday. They've got uh, uh, a bunch of games in a short amount of time. It's not quite as brutal as the uh, men's U-20 World Cup group stage. but That's it's... good. <laughs> It's three games in six days, and it is also uh, a small roster. You won't, they only get twenty players uh, to to pick from. So weird that they do it like that. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, I'm honestly like, are they trying to ease the financial burden for some of these smaller countries to actually like travel twenty players from
0: uh, place to place? But that's the that's the format. I hear something along those lines about it. So, who are you, so you're you're pretty stoked about this team. The women's team, yeah, they're amazing. Uh, they're they they're
1: loaded. Who are you really excited about? Oh, uh, man, it's almost like easier with this group to, to say who you're not, but Lindsey Horan is amazing. Lindsey Horan is like one of the best players uh, in the world right now. Um, and I don't know. Have you have you seen have you seen her play very much? I haven't. I'm sorry. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of like commit a cardinal sin here, but I'm gonna uh, try to like give you some analogs through through the men's game. You watch her play. She plays like a, a midfield. The women at this point have settled into like a four three three, and she plays as one of the uh, more advanced mids. They kind of have a dedicated six, um, and she usually plays as one of the slightly more advanced mids. But she goes both directions, and. It's ridiculous. Like, she does everything as well as, like, the best players in that position. Uh, Or she does everything as well as, like, the best players in the game would do uh, in that area. So, like, she's this advanced mid, but she scores goals as well as, like, the other best players in the world at scoring goals. Uh, She can carry the ball at her feet the way the best players in the world. She's not, like, an outlier at any of them, so... Uh, you know, have you seen those advanced stats they do where there's a big cluster of dots for all these players, and then you see Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo uh, way out on their own. Yeah, she's not. She's not like that. She's just. She's just always the best at on any on any stat you want to measure. She's the best at it. <laughs> Dang, is so like,
0: is Paul or, Pogba uh, top ten? Is Paul Pogba so, corollary?
1: so kind of but it's like uh it's almost like you have she does all the things Pogba does but she also does all the things that like Ingolo Kanté does and she does all the things that like uh Harry Kane does so she's just elite at every single facet of the game so she's Michael Bradley basically <laughs> she's it's it's awesome man and uh so I'm super excited to see her she's she's just like literally incredible to watch uh, and she's and mean like she's just really tough uh mm just blows people up. That was the first thing I noticed when she came onto the scene was she just wrecks people. And I don't mean like in a dirty way. I just mean like if there's a ball between two people, she is going to wreck whoever it is that she's going to meet at that ball.
0: Man, I like this. She's so anyway, 24 24 years
1: yeah, she's still a kid. Uh, she's one of the first, one of the early players to skip the college route and just went to, I think Leone uh, straight out of high school instead of going to North Carolina. But yes, Lindsey Irani, amazing. Uh,
0: so she's so she plays for Portland, Portland Thorns. Yes, but she just uh, she just lost in the the NWSL final, right?
1: Yeah. So Thorns were in back to back finals. They won it last year on a, I believe, a Lindsey Horan volley. Uh, they lost this year to the Courage, who are uh, put together like the best record in professional women's soccer history in the U.S. So. Um. Yeah, she's been she's been dominant everywhere she's been playing. Okay. Can you give a couple other names? Oh God, yeah. So uh, everyone knows Megan Rapinoe. You just always watch her. And she's always going to do something. Again, the soccer awareness and the soccer intelligence on this team is incredible. Uh, Megan Rapinoe is awesome to watch. Tobin Heath um, is like uh, I love watching Megan Rapinoe. I know her. <laughs> Alright, so she's great to watch. Tobin Heath, uh is like every time she's on the ball, you're expecting her to embarrass somebody and you're rarely disappointed. Yeah. Uh Sam Mewis, who's uh one of the other central mids. So Rapino and Tobin Heath will man like the the wings. They'll be like these attacking mids in the four 3 Um Sam Mewis will be another center mid, and she is like potentially going to turn into a Lindsey Haran in a couple of years. So it's this team stacked, man. This team is
0: Loaded. Does, is Carly Lloyd still getting playing time? So
1: hilariously, Carly Lloyd is like actually the most divisive <laughs> player on the roster at this point. Uh, she's Her production for her club has fallen off a cliff. Like she is nowhere near the, the player she used to be, uh, certainly at a 90-minute level. But she comes in for the U.S. and plays like the last 10 minutes of a game and just – partly cause the U S is so good. She just racks up goals. Her, her like uh, her movement in the box is still elite. Her ball striking and finishing is still elite. Uh, you just can't ask her to play 90 minutes or, or right. to cover a lot of ground. you know what I mean? So she has a very specific role with the team. Uh, at this point, she's, she's basically like the backup forward to Alex Morgan, but she's not actually the backup forward. If Alex Morgan were to go down, uh, Carly Lloyd wouldn't be the player he starts for. It'd be like they'd use one of the wing players and they'd put Kristen Press up top, and Carly Lloyd would have the same job. She'd come in for Kristen Press in the last ten minutes and like score two goals and have three other great chances.
0: So she's kind of like uh, Clint Dempsey a year ago. Is it why is it a cardinal sin to compare across genders like that? Can you? I don't know. Maybe it's, that?
1: maybe it's not. I just because right now it's because there there isn't like a wide enough database of female players to use as, compar- as historical comparison points. Like, is it Horan all- doesn't compare to any player the U.S. Is, has produced, like, in, in the U.S. history. Yeah. I, I, can't,
0: I can't compare to one. Is it also a little offensive to the women to be compared to, like, such a failure of a men's program? <laughs> Probably, yeah. So, I, I mean, you'd have to compare...
1: You have to compare Carly Lloyd to like Diego Forlan, or some, I mean, somebody who's yeah, who's who's at the peak of their game. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Alex, uh, yeah. So again, just kind of going, it can almost go position by position, and every player is in the discussion for the best player in the world at that position.
0: Okay, how's uh, who? Who are the standouts in defense right now? Uh, so that's where it actually gets. Uh,
1: a little hazier, so Becky Sauerbrunn is still the no questions asked starting center back. Julie Ertz used to be the center back right next to her, and she was amazing in the 2015 World Cup, but she has since moved to the holding mid spot. That was wild. So, this was like a year and a half ago where the US women were actually struggling. Jill Ellis was the manager, she was experimenting with all these different tactics, and they were like losing game after game, uh, and it was kind of embarrassing. Um, and they were down 2-0 to Brazil in a game. And at like halftime of that game, she moved Julie Ertz into the – Ertz came off the bench, jumped in as a six. The U.S. came back and won that game either 3-2 or 4-3. It was wild. Um, and has not lost a game since then. So they've won like 25 – or won or drawn 25 straight games since
0: since uh, since that game. I've seen somebody make that comparison between that and Sarakin's switch to the 4-2-3-1
1: it was probably uh, me, but that's that's essentially like yeah. What I'd say is it's hard to give Ellis credit for this, but she did make the change and has not lost in 25 games. So, wow! How do you critique a manager
0: at that point? Um, so, are they just any- going to steamroll this steamroll this qualifier? Yes, uh, That is
1: okay. my prediction is that they will steamroll this qualifier. But their defense is a little uns- unsettled. Uh, the other the the leading candidate would be the other center back plays for stanford still she's a college kid and she just had her ankle broken uh on some horror challenge just a couple weeks ago she's she's out for six months it'll kind of be a race probably to get back to the world cup to be honest
0: and there wasn't even a card given on that tackle right
1: Uh, i don't know i saw i just saw the challenge and it was horrific i coach a lot of girls soccer and i can just say that in my experience like Referees call physical play at the, at the at least up until college. They call physical plays super tight they, they don't let you get anywhere near as physical as they let guys get it's like a, I mean, it's laughable But they give you they give all of these players the complete benefit of the doubt that they didn't try to do anything dirty If that makes sense so you yeah. can go in with some horrific challenges uh, And they'll never be like in a, in a guy's game. It's just it's an easy red card like no questions asked and the girls' games like, well, they probably wouldn't didn't mean to, and they just let it go. I don't know if that if that applies to the as you as you move up the levels. I'm I'm at, talking like
0: high school, small, small college style soccer. Elite high school and small college <laughs> soccer. I'll but have anyway, all of you know.
1: Anyway, leg broken. Not, I'm not laughing at that. Leg broken for Tierna Davidson and she won't be competing in the CONCACAF championship Championship. Um, but Crystal Dunn is our left back, uh, and she's a forward up until eight months ago, and we just don't have any fullbacks. So we put Crystal Dunn there, who played there in like the U 20 days, uh, and she's just been – it's been ridiculous. So her – she basically plays forward but from the left back spot. So she just bombs forward and gets to combine with Megan Pino and they just have a blast, uh, and no one can stop them. Nice. I love I love talking about this team. They're super exciting to watch. Really check them out in these over these uh, four four to five games.
0: Okay, we'll Huge. do. That's a long short corner on the women's national team. Uh, be sure to check the check out those games on Thursday, Sunday, and then what Wednesday? Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, yeah. Sunday, Wednesday. Less cheerful short corner is the news about Cristiano Ronaldo. This one's uh, bad. As alleged, what he did in Las Vegas in 2009 is rape, and it's horrific and credible and depressing as hell. Uh, I just We just want to amplify the work of Der Spiegel, the German newspaper that uh, has been pursuing this story for a couple years now. Their story is pretty much bulletproof as far as as we can tell and there aren't any real denials going around from the Ronaldo camp
1: yeah this is this is pretty fucking terrible uh shouldn't be swept under the rug by sports media or the soccer community really at large uh so if you haven't read that from Der Spiegel um it's something that you probably should read uh you you I hope this uh this woman has all the resources she needs to sort of pursue this in whatever way she thinks is necessary.
0: Yeah, totally. And, uh, back to more uplifting news. Sebastian Soto keeps scoring goals. That is better. One of uh, my favorite young players, young American players, a striker at Hanover 96 has now scored nine goals in eight appearances with the U-19s there. He has hit the ground running. He scored another one over the weekend and was involved in an own goal as Hanover beat St. Pauli 2-0. That's That makes seven league goals and seven appearances for him. St. Pauli was the best team in the division. Hadn't lost or drawn a game yet, and Hanover beat them 2-0, and Soto was the hero. So I think there was some question, at least in my mind, would his incredible goal-scoring record in the Development Academy translate to Germany, the youth ranks in Germany? And it has. And so I feel good about that. Yeah, this is as good of a trajectory as you could hope for Sebastian Soto at this point. And lastly, the U-17s are headed to Mexico City for a tournament. The boys U-17s are headed there for a tournament with uh, Argentina, Chile, and Mexico. Um. A few names to pay attention to. I don't know if the games are going to be streamed or not. That's always kind of a mystery. Um, but a few names to watch are the goalkeeper Damien Loss. I think he's probably the most promising goalkeeper in the whole pool. You know, in the whole youth pool. Uh, Mauricio Cuevas. Where's Where's Loss? What's his What's his uh, affiliation? Chicago Fire. He's at Chicago okay. Fire. He's been playing with the U17s since last year, at least. Maybe sh- earlier than that, the USU Seventeens or the Fire. Yes, U- the USU Seventeens. All right, what's he's, the status with the Fire? He's is he playing in college, or I think he- he's he's playing in the development academy. Okay, he stood on his head in the Nike Friendlies last year when the the team was the team was getting shelled by the Netherlands and England and Brazil, and he really he he, he did a lot of uh, shot stopping and looked really good at it. All right. So he got a chance to show his stuff and he really did. And I think he's he's shown his stuff in other places too. Uh, Mauricio Cuevas is a player I don't know that much about, but I hear very very good things at the LA Galaxy Academy. Also, he's an 03, so he he may be he's either 15 or 16 right now. No. He's either 14 or 15 if he's an 03. Man, that's ridiculous. Yeah. He's playing with the U-17s, and he uh, he's a, apparently extremely versatile. Can play on the wing, can play as a six, can play as a fullback, can play as a forward. He's listed as a forward on the Development Academy website. I haven't seen him play, but I'm excited to see him play. And then a, a couple guys I have seen play. Josh Atencio, who's at the Seattle Sounders Academy. We had a good interview with the academy director, a couple weeks ago. If you haven't listened to it, you should check it out. Atencio is very, very calm. Uh, number six has played with the USL side in Seattle one time, actually two times, and looked very good both those times, and then just for scheduling reasons couldn't play with them again. So he's at this tournament. And then uh, James Dunning, uh, 17-year-old or a 16-year-old at Feyenoord in the Netherlands, left... Left the Dallas area to go there last year, I think. He's he's playing really well right now too, according to the internet. <laughs> there are other other names: Danny Danny Robles, Gilbert Gilbert Fuentes from San Jose, Danny Robles from Seattle, uh, Sahir Arce, uh, who plays a striker for Monarcas Morelia in Liga MX, is also uh, kind of making some waves. Some, notable All right, who's, ones, yeah, some who's, not- who's not in this list that could be yeah. So interestingly, there's some notable abs- absences. Bello, who is uh, a first team uh, regularly in the first team squad for the Atlanta United, for Atlanta United, uh, George Bello, he's not there. Neither is Gio Reyna, and neither is Gianluca Busio. Those are kind of like the three most famous U17s.
1: Okay, Busio with Sporting KC, and then. What is uh, Reyna's status right now? Is he official with anyone?
0: He's not official. He turns 16 in November, I believe, and, that, and then he can go to Dortmund. I think it's widely known that he's going to Dortmund. Okay. Um, but inter- interestingly, these the U17s also have a tournament in England later this month. The, I don't know if all three of those three guys, but at least two of them, are going to that tournament in England. So we kind of got like, uh, Tab ha- is working with like two separate U-17 squads to some extent. Okay. Uh, which is pretty cool. I mean, the pool, it sort of backs up your um, contention that the, the Development Academy is bearing fruit. Your contention, which is also my contention. <laughs> um, if they're able to field essentially two pretty good U-17 squads right now, that's good news. Yeah, and that's really the goal because I don't care one lick
1: about like team building or, uh, you know, what I mean, like how how the, like creating. It. I just want a like a long list of individual players who will succeed at the professional level.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, I I think there are a lot of guys on this in this age group who are really good. I mean, we're we're gonna find out in a couple years how good they are but you see Gilbert Fuentes who is a name nobody knows you know he he's gotten a few USL minutes you just see him move on the ball move with the ball at his feet he's he's smooth man he's smooth so, alright Gilbert Fuentes
1: his name is going on the board he'll be he'll be the next Jonathan Amen who will be the next Christian Pulisic
0: that's right we've gone on too long here so <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Thanks for being here. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you.